Welcome to the Data Podcast. My name is Brian Ward, the creator and host of the Data Podcast. I am a coach, Marine Corps veteran, speaker, husband, and you guessed it, a dad. Are you ready to be inspired to be the best dad you can be for your family? This show will provide you with the tips, tools, and strategies to do just that. Are you a dad just going through the motions? Or are you looking to really elevate your dad game to the next level? Truth is, it is a blessing to be a dad. This is a responsibility we must take seriously. In the end, how do you want to be remembered? I hope you want to be remembered as a phenomenal dad. Your legacy starts in the home, not outside the home. If you're really ready to elevate your dad game, then make sure you bang that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Now, let's get started. Data. Welcome to another episode of Data Up, everyone. Thank you guys very much for joining me. I am excited to uh, to welcome this individual on my show because he's got he just he's written a book, uh, Value Creation Kid, and I'm really anxious to dive into that. But I want to hear a little bit more about him as well. Uh, my good friend Lee Benson has joined me on Data Up. Welcome to the show, my friend. Live from his studio. <laughs> yes, my music studio. Yeah, it's great to be here, Brian. Thank you. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, for my listeners may not know who you are, let's let's dive into the back history of Lee, kind of how you grew up and the things you got into, uh, and then what you're doing now. Um, and obviously, this is a dad podcast, so I want to know about your kids as well. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, so one, I, I don't have any children of my own. Um, I've had a couple of amazing relationships with wonderful women that um, have that do have kids, and mm-hmm. I've made um, in touch with them their entire lives. Um, but going all the way back, um, I, I wrote a book um, that we released and with my co-author and I uh, back in April of this year, and it's titled Value Creation Kid, The Healthy Struggles Your Children Need to Succeed. And I've been doing a lot of work for, you know, a couple of decades now on increasing how organizations create value. And now I'm really on this mission to help uh, families create more value within the family. So what is value? Where does it go? And and how how do we think about that? But, you know, back up to answer your question, you know, I came from a very low income family. It was a uh, dangerous and toxic environment. There were a number of family members in and out of prison and, and just worse. It was just really not good. And people asked me, hey, where'd you get your start? I said, you know, I really got it um, pulling weeds for 25 cents an hour back in the late 60s. And I had a neighbor unsolicited ask me, hey, would you be willing to do this? And of course, back then you could buy two candy bars and have change. I was like, sure, of course I'll do that. And it wasn't friends, it wasn't family, it was the real world asking me to exchange my best efforts for their accumulated best efforts, which is essentially money. And then, you know, that led to, well, I wonder how I could do even more. And I grew up in Spokane, Washington. So I started, we had a lot of snow in the wintertime. So I, hey, I can shovel snow. And I got 50 cents to shovel a driveway and a sidewalk. And it took me about 30 minutes. Wow, I just fourfolded my money. And this, again, wasn't friends and family. I'm just, you know, going through the neighborhood and doing this. And then I had a paper out and then four paper outs. Um, and then I, I moved to Arizona and got my first real, you know, sort of, you know, job with a W-2 as at a restaurant. So uh, uh, became a dishwasher, a busboy and a cook over a six month period starting at 365 an hour. And then I was making $6.50 an hour as a cook. So moved pretty quickly there. 
super thrilled and excited to have that. And by the time I was kicked out of the house, the beginning of my senior year in high school, and it was one of the best things that ever happened to me, I was already financially independent. It was a not event to go get my own apartment um, with, with a roommate. Um, you know, back then, yeah, you know, you're, you're 1979. So back then uh, you could get a two bedroom, two bath apartment for $260 a month. Wow. And, and so I'm, I'm doing that. Things are great. Um, uh, but I started this, um, you know, I couldn't articulate it very well back then, but I learned to really trust it back then, this value creation struggle cycle. So I, I wanted to make some more money. So what could I do for that? Hey, I'm, I'm pulling weeds. And so I struggle to get this capability. It builds my confidence. I use it to create value. And I just kept doing that over and over and over again and taking bigger steps each time. And, and now as I fast forward, so I'm on my seventh company. I've started from scratch. I've, I've had, um, you know, exits uh, selling these companies from a few million dollars to well into nine figures. I've done, I've done really well that way, which is fantastic. But it was starting at a really early age, this value creation struggle cycle. And it's okay to go through and, and struggle. And, and I think we take a lot of that away from our kids. Um, I, I've taught hundreds of kids martial arts. I, I've had a um, I had a full time martial arts school for about 14 years, and before that, I taught you know where I learned um, uh, Taekwondo. Um, I've spoken to literally thousands of high school kids about the virtues of entrepreneurship and how to think about that and change perspective. Um, I, I have lifelong relationships with children of, of women that I've, I've dated over the years and, and I just I have adopted them. And, and I'm just thinking, you know what, um, what would it look like to launch a, um, you know, a very productive value creating um, high school senior graduating into adulthood? And how do we work backwards from that? And so that was really the whole purpose behind writing the book. How do we how do we work backwards? How do we put the kids through, you can call it a boot camp, training, development, whatever you want to call it. Um, so they march towards launching into adulthood and they're, they're, um, they're adults that you want to have going into the world. And I think that's going to be a little different for every family. The way I think about it, you know, they, they're self-reliant, they're very confident, they can think critically, they're, they're financially competent. And if they choose to be like I was, financially independent by that time and they go into the world to create value and i just want to talk about that real quick mm -hmm. you know what is value creation and how do you think about it and most people say well you're just talking about money no i'm not um, in the book we outline it there's three macro buckets and how we think about creating value and one is material value it's you know it's money it's things totally get that the second is emotional energy value and emotional energy, in my view, is positive emotional energy is the scarcest commodity on the planet. When that's running on nine or 10, you can do anything. Mm -hmm. When it's running on you know one or two, you might get a flat tire and it runs your entire week. And then the third category is spiritual, which means something different to everybody. If you feel love for your family and, and neighbors, friends, communities, et cetera, um, you're you're playing in that bucket as well. And and I would argue that everybody is playing in all three buckets, the material, the emotional energy, and the spiritual. And I've done well on the on the material side. That's fantastic. But I think if I had a, a strength above all in the three buckets, it would be the um, emotional energy piece. 
and how I'm able to, um, which I just, it's in my bones. I just passionately keep talking about what's possible and engaging people in productive uh, conversations about how we're going to get there. That's infectious, especially especially today where it seems like everybody's an expert on what's wrong with people and things and why stuff won't work. Um, no, let's go create some value in the world. And the purpose of an education for our children should be very clear and we should fully connect the dots with all the kids is to create value in the world. What's your value creation superpower? Why are you learning this stuff so you can go forward and create value? The goal isn't, hey, let's get a good grade. Let's get a diploma. Let's get a degree. Let's get a job. In that environment, kids are doing what they think they're supposed to do instead of discovering what they're meant to do. And so my my dream here is that someday we change the curriculum in, in K-12 um, education where immediately going in, the kids are told the whole purpose of an education is to create value in the world. And well, what does that mean? And they talk about the three macro buckets and help them discover their value creation superpower over time. And then everything else really gets better. And I'm finding that wow, is that language resonating with kids? So I'll kind of stop there. I've said a lot, but that gives you a little bit about my history. Um, the reason I'm doing this, um, again, I want a better world to age out in and the kids are going to be running this world and I don't want it to be a dystopian future. So selfishly, I want this to be this, this concept of creating value within families to be in a million families over the next five years in the United States. And then let's take it around the world. Yeah. Um, I love that. Thanks for sharing your story. Uh, it's interesting that you kind of, that your back history and kind of how you, um, how you, you know, valued the things that you did, even as a child to, to really learn, um, how to be financially independent. Um, it's funny because I kind of was raised kind of with that same mentality. It was like, my parents taught me, like we didn't, my parents didn't have a lot of money growing up, we lived, I could, t I knew they lived paycheck to paycheck and they worked very hard for the money that they had and they provided for me. But my dad also taught me that when you want something in life, you have to work for it. And one of those things meant I had to learn how to, in order to get an allowance or get a job, get a paycheck, I had to learn how to work. And one of the things that I did very similar to what you did I used to push a lawnmower around the neighborhoods uh, where I lived and just ask if I can mow their lawn for $5. And that meant people would pay me five bucks to mow their lawn. Uh, and then I also had a paper route. <laughs> I had a paper route. It was a very small town that I lived in. It was uh, me and my best friend had the town. The two of us had the entire town to ourselves. And mm. we used to compete against each other in their little, con you know, their little contests that they had every month or every quarter or whatever. Uh, but I made it, I made a really good living for a 12 year old kid, you mm -hmm. know, with a paper out. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it allowed me to buy my first car. I bought my first car and I've told this story before, but I bought my first car when I was 12 years old. It was a, it was a 1962 Chevy Nova and it was completely gutted. It was just a shell. Right. Uh, but I wanted to work on something and build something that I could have when I was when I was able to drive, that was my, that was the way my dad taught me. And so he and I used to work on this car. So for the next four years, I was putting money into this car that I made my own personal money that I made to build this car up. And then when I'm in high school, driving this car that's cherried out and got a, you know, nice interior. I mean, it, it looks, you know, 
suite and all my friends are getting a ride to the high school on a bus or by their parents. I'm driving to school in my own car that I paid for because I worked for it. My kid, my friends didn't do that. They would, they would ask me for rides and it's like, you know, I worked for this. No one else did. And this, and it gave me the opportunity to really appreciate what I had and appreciate that car even more um, because I did it myself. I worked for it. Um, and I'm kind of raising my, I have two boys and I'm kind of raised them the same way. It's like, you want something out of life. You have to work for it. We're going to help you, but you got to, you got to be willing to work for it. And unfortunately, I just don't see a lot of kids that kind of have that same mentality. It's like uh, parents are really kind of getting in the way of allowing them to struggle and learn how to basically fend for themselves to, to, to make their life better or, or earn the things that they want to earn. Uh, my boys are 24 and 22. And yes, my wife and I did what we could to provide for our boys as best as we could to give them everything that they needed. But my boys also understood and appreciated the things that they have or got or the things that they did. My son is adamant about, he's like not my older son. He works in sales, got a college degree, and he is adamant about getting himself financially secure before he has a relationship, before he does anything else in life. I mean, he is focused on money and him, meaning he does, you know, he looks at and he reads self-improvement books. He's at the gym all the time. He's working hard. He's saving his money all these different things. And it's because I believe it's because of how my wife and I raised him. Um, so I appreciate the fact that you wrote this book to really um, help parents. And it's really to help kids um, kind of learn this system of really valuing not only the things that they may get or want, but also value themselves, put a, put a worth, a self, kind of that self-worth value in who they are as individuals. And I think, um, like I said, there's a lot of parents and this might rub parents the wrong way in me saying this, but there's a lot of parents out there that just get in the way of that and, you know, essentially coddle or do things for their kids that, and they, they don't learn the struggle. They don't learn how to get through that. Yeah. And, and how did that feel for you, Brian, when you bought your own vehicle and you did all that? Our self-esteem is through the roof. I mean, I did the same thing, you know, as a junior in high school, I had a 75 Chevy Blazer that I was able to buy 100% with my money. And it was tricked out the big tires. I took the seat out in the back and put a big blue, uh, royal blue beanbag back there, <laughs> which wasn't the safest thing in the world <laughs> to drive people around. But we feel really good. And, and you know, if, if you think about it for just two seconds, um, if it really works, taking all the struggle away from kids, because we don't want them to struggle like we did as you know, as parents and, and they, they'll have a better life. Then if that's true, the less I go to the gym, the stronger and more flexible I'll become. Right. I mean, it just, it, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And, and one of the things that I've, I've realized I, I've done a lot of work, um, you know, with my own companies and helping hundreds of other companies, thousands of leaders, um, create more and more value over time. One of the things that big things I've learned is that motivational nudges don't work. And what I mean by that is you can't just send somebody to a leadership course or have them read a book and, oh my gosh, now they're going to get it and it's going to change the world. We need to create an environment from which they learn to create more value over time. In a business world, you can call it a business operating system, whatever, whatever that is. But if it's really intentional around connecting culture to value creation, everybody creates more over time with very few exceptions. 
Same thing in the family. How do we create an environment from which the kids learn how to create more and more value over time? And and it can't be, you know, take this class, read this book, you know, parent imparts a little bit of wisdom and expect the kids to fully connect all the dots. So one of the things that Scott and I did in the book is to, how do we make it easy for middle and low income families to be able to do this? And families um, in all, you know, sort of economic classes, financial, um, you know, capability uh, need need to do this, but I'm really interested in low and middle income families. And so we put some together, we call the gravy stack method, and there's four simple components to it. The first is value creation, again, material, emotional, spiritual. Second is house rules. So what's your job for the family? And that changes as you get older. Mm -hmm. um, and so these are essentially expectations. And then what expenses do the kids pick up over time as they get older? We even have some parents that are making the kids pick up expenses for cavities. If you're not going to brush your teeth and floss and take care of it, then you get to pay the expense. And then third is extra money. How do we help them earn extra money so they learn to manage this over time? And each of those, those uh, areas in the house rules change as they get older. And so now it's kind of a boot camp to learn how to make and manage money and be more responsible. And then third is financial competency. It's not just literacy. Who cares that you understand the, you know, the basics of, of managing finances? Are you competent? Can you actually apply it in the real world? And then fourth is healthy struggle. Be okay watching your kids bounce off the walls a little bit with some healthy struggle. And all struggle is not trauma. We talk about that in the book. And, you know, today it's crazy for me to hear the stories of, oh, my kid was bullied at school. And so now they've got a counselor and the parents are going down and they're raising, you know, their hands. You can't do this. And isn't that just normal struggle to fit in with the world and with what's going on the vast majority of the time? I mean, there is real trauma, but most struggle for kids is not trauma. We don't need to put them on medication and get three counselors for them, you know, going through, um, in my view. And so this is the simple gravy stack method. And let me share one quick story mm -hmm. here. And I just love this. And I've got a bunch of these stories coming in because I'm, I'm personally tracking low and middle income families and how they're applying it. So family in uh, Boston reads the book, dad reads the book, uh, um, probably a month after it came out. And then he texts me and he says, um, here's what my 11-year-old uh, daughter just said to me. And he's got an 11-year-old and a, uh, I think an eight or nine-year-old daughter, um, two, two kids. And, and it was, Daddy, thank you for saving the dirty dishes uh, to help me with my value creation work. And I thought, oh, that's fantastic. And he's just giddy, like, this is so cool. She never says stuff like that. I was, okay, wonderful. And then he calls me about uh, a month and a half later and it says, let me tell you how, quote, value creation summer is going. And he said, my my two girls used to argue over who had to do the work. Now they argue over who gets to do the work. Right. And and uh, he, he said the, the younger daughter gets up before intentionally before the older daughter walks the dog, feeds, feeds the dog, does all these chores, um, daily chores before the older one gets up. So she gets more value creation points and how they've set it up. And, and the older daughter's like, wait a minute, we have to talk about this. We're a team. What an amazing conversation. So now the, the last third part of this story, and this happened, uh, gosh, a little over a month ago, he calls me and says, on, on day one, my oldest you know, daughter goes to middle school for the first time. And on day two, the counselor that she met with on day one calls me and says, 
tell me everything about value creation summer, because I'm going to be using this language with all of the kids that I work with and their parents. Hmm. And so that, what that tells me, Brian, is we have something that's resonating and working because I could care less about authoring a book and having this great idea if it doesn't work in the real world with real people. And in my view, in this context, especially low and middle income families, mm-hmm. then it doesn't matter. And in stories like this are telling me, wow, this is really resonating and it's working. And I'm, I'm working, you know, I have friends and I'll meet with their grandkids and we'll talk about stuff. And they regularly tell me the kids are having conversations with you that they won't have with their their parents. And all I did was change the language a little bit. So I encourage everybody to read this book. And it's such a simple thing to do to implement the gravy stack method, which you're creating this, this it's kind of like an operationalized system for your family to create more and more value over time as a family. What's your job for the family? How do you create value for the family? How do you see yourself being launched into adulthood? What does that really look like? And all the kids I've ever talked to in high school when I'm doing my my rounds around you know the virtues of entrepreneurship, do you feel better about yourself when you're completely self-reliant or dependent on family or government to take care of you? It's not even a half a second delay. It's like, and I want to be self-reliant. Like they all want that. Well, if if we don't get them ready for it and create this environment where they can discover better and better ways to do it, then they're they're not going to launch into adulthood um, being self reliant, and then and I, you know they call it the emerging adult phase from you know zero to eighteen. You're a kid, then you become an adult. Um, if you don't get this right from eighteen to maybe even thirty six years old, it's going to be the emerging adult phase, and then eventually you can actually be an adult. So the, the, there's a ton of value here, Brian, and and thinking about this intentionally. That's that's all it's done for these parents has got them. Wow, I just want to. I'm, I'm thinking about it being really intentional. Almost all parents are doing pieces of this. Mm-hmm. This ties it together for them and makes them feel more at ease when the kids are struggling to say, Hey, I unconditionally love you. But this is part of how you're developing to eventually be this amazing adult. What's that return on investment, Brian? If you get that right. I, 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 exactly. And I think that, uh, you know, there's going to be parents out there that read this book and go, oh my goodness, I am doing it all wrong with my kids. And I thought I was doing it all right. And now I'm realizing just in this value creation system within the book that there is such a better way to help them navigate life and struggles. And not only that, to help them get to a point where, yes, when they're 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 years old, and life really does hit them on the chin, they're going to be ready for it and they're going to understand how to capitalize on it or get better or create the value that they need in order to get better. So I think it's remarkable. Um, I do think that, you know, I just think that uh, my wife's a school teacher and at the school where she's at, uh, she runs into it every day where kids have this sense of entitlement and kids have this sense of, of, you know, they feel a sense of belonging, but they just feel like they're entitled to things, whether it's, you know, assignments being late. Well, I'm entitled to let my assignment be late because this is, uh, we had stuff going on and I couldn't get it done. So you need to give me full credit anyways, even though, you know, this, this policy says you don't get full credit, but the student pushes back. And then what happens? The student goes home and tells the parent that I didn't get full credit for this. I turned it in, but they don't tell the whole story, right? 
I turned it in, but she didn't give me full credit for it. Well, then the parent comes and fights at the school. And it's Mm -hmm. like this struggle constantly with, and this isn't everybody, but with, with parent, with some parents, there's these struggles that we face. And my wife sees it all the time at the school she's at. It's like this constant struggle with parents and they back their kids up. And what's that teaching their kids? I mean, what, what kind of lessons are we teaching our kids when we're doing those sorts of things? I am all for backing my kids up when they need me, when they need my help. I am all for protecting my kids when it specifically deals with possibly a life or death situation. If my son, if my five-year-old is about to run out in the street, I'm going to do what I have to do to stop him from doing that, right? So he doesn't get run over by a car. The same applies to the stuff that we're going through in life right now. It's like, I want my kid to have a healthy sense of struggle. I don't want him to get to a point where he's struggling so much that it's caused this sense of depression or anxiety in him because that's not healthy either, but there needs to be this healthy boundary of struggle. So in, in that whole rambling of stuff I just said, when it comes to the book and parents reading this, uh, I know you just shared one story there, but what has been some pushback that you've received in, or maybe some disagreement or has there been any with some of the value creation systems within the book that you've heard from, from people that have read it? Well, you said something that is really important. We should touch on it. You know, parents will say, oh, I've done everything wrong. Nobody's pushed back on any element of the gravy stack method. Like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. I'm doing pieces of it, but I didn't hold it all together. I didn't do this. And I've had, I've had parents sit there, you know, usually mothers crying because, oh my gosh, my kids are now adults and I got it completely wrong. They actually use that language said, no, you didn't. We, it, it's like when I work with organizations, you're, you're a going concern, you're doing things right. And there's always stuff that we can do better. It's a journey. And this, this, these principles can be applied to adults. It doesn't matter. It can be applied to the, the parents reading the book and how they lead their lives as well as their adult children as well. So uh, what I would say is you got a lot right. And now there's opportunities to, to make it even better. And, and I think with the best of intentions, you know, some of these parents, these helicopter parents, whatever you want to call it, are zooming in and, and I'm just going to protect and, and lead the way for the kids. So I, I get it. Best of intentions. What would the ROI be if you were to get them ready to be, and they actually were these self-reliant value creating adults mm-hmm. from a, a material standpoint, the financial support, uh, the way my co-author Scott talks about it is the bank of mom and dad. It just mm-hmm. never stops. Um, emotional energy, spiritual energy, whatever that is. You get this right, even in a low-income family, it could it could save tens of thousands of dollars, middle-income hundreds of thousands for the wealthy, millions or more, depending on you know the the businesses the kids might be taking over if they get this stuff right. So the ROI to do this is incredible, and I regularly hear parents say, you know, um, I'm you can use my language, but different versions of this is uncovering a lot of capacity for us as parents because the kids are doing what they what they should be doing and what they agreed to do, um, you know, for the family and how they create value. So now we can all work on our own value creation journeys and, and create even more over time. Um, so no pushback on, on the method. Um, we, we do have, there's a company called gravy stack that my co-author founded and it's just a financial literacy slash competency app for kids. We, um, sort of gamify, 
um, learning financial literacy and ultimately being financially competent over there. But the families that I'm talking about and sharing stories with right now, they're not even they're they're not even uh, putting their kids in in the app. Most of them, a lot of them are, but most of them aren't. Um, they're just doing this sort of manually with worksheets on the on the refrigerator and checking stuff off, and it you know it's working incredibly well. And and one of the things that that's pretty tough, and I want to get your take on this on this, Brian, is that changing behavior we know is hard for everyone. So in organizations, it's hard when you have control over their paychecks. Mm -hmm. Well, in families, I think it's equally difficult. That's why we need to have um, sort of an operating system that we agree to, and you know the gravy stack method, house rules, etc. Uh, but to accelerate that, something that that Scott and I have started are these um, parenting groups, and we call it Dinner Table. You can go to dinnertable.com and and uh, and and see what we're doing there. But we're pulling groups of parents together to share best practices around teaching their kids financial literacy to be financially competent, but ultimately the gravy stack method to become these incredible value creators out there. So we're, we're hitting it from a number of angles. And, you know, what is your take, Brian, on the best way to, to you know, effectively at scale change behavior within families to make, make them more value creators? Yeah. Um, first of all, that's phenomenal. I love that. And uh, the next time you do have one of those groups going on, uh, I'd love to uh, have an opportunity to sit in in one of those uh, one of those meetings. If it's virtual or whatnot, uh, that's great. If it's not, then just let me know. But um, I would I would love to hear more about that. Um, as far as you know, what you're saying, I, I get it. I think that um, when it comes to you know the family culture right now and the way that I see things going on within the family culture and how we're raising our kids, um, there's there's things that are just kind of already set in stone. Like our kids are already raised a certain way and really trying to change them or help them um, create this change or this value creation system. It's going to take time. And I think that you've probably realized that or seen that just in the parents that have tried to adopt the program within their own family. My kids are, have, are set in their ways. Like we've, we've done things this way and this is how they've operated. And it's just been going on this way for years. So now to implement this change is so difficult. It's so challenging and I'm getting pushback from my kids. Mm -hmm. I can imagine that's happening. Parents are trying to adapt this new uh, this new way of, of thinking and creating value for them and the family. The kids are pushing back a little bit. So how do you fix that? Well, I think it's just a matter of taking taking it in small pieces, right? So if I want to if I want to get if I want to run a marathon, you, you don't just go out and run a marathon, right? You've got to work your way up to it. Okay, I've never worked out in my life, but I want to run a marathon. Okay, so I need to start small. So I'm going to go for a walk for you know 15 minutes every single day. And then eventually I'm going to move up to a half a mile and maybe I can start jogging and incorporate jogging into my walking. So it takes a process where you're just kind of slowly stacking these little things on top of one another to where you get to a point where, yeah, I can run a marathon. So I think the same applies with the value creation system where, hey, my kids are set in their ways and they're giving me some pushback. So I have to start in small increments with them. Just give them a little taste of it to help them develop the mentality and the practice of really building what you hope to get to is that full value creation um, you know, mm -hmm. performance. Uh, I think that's the best approach. What do you think? 
I think you said it really well. It, it's um, an incremental approach towards running the marathon, which in this case is being these value-creating, self-reliant, critical thinking adults. Mm -hmm. And so what are these struggles that we're intentionally designing? We go over a lot of that in the book, lots of ideas at every age and how to group and how to think about think about doing that. But we're designing these struggles and giving them these steps to take going forward and it makes it a lot easier to get there. I mean, that said, I mean, I, I would prefer that um, as soon as they come home from, you know, the hospital with their with their mother, they're in an environment where we're talking about creating value and they they just feel the energy. Uh, but even if it's um, they're in their teens or their mid 20s, these things still apply, you know, going through and you can incrementally uh, uh, do this. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I think you're spot on. This is why we did it. And it is interesting, um, the the pushback that we get, one, um, the kids kind of run in this direction, oh, I can make extra money, I can do it, is that they won't completely do something but expect to get paid for it. So then you start having, those are amazing conversations and struggles to have with them. So all these life lessons are built into this thing going across. And it's way more common that kids that would never do anything, all of a sudden they just plow right through all these chores and get the money that they can see that they they really want and the parents are like oh my gosh why how come they never did this before so um very little pushback on on playing with a language because it feels pretty darn good as a kid when when adults talking to them a parent mm -hmm. or other adults you know what's your value creation superpower how do you want to create value in the world what kind of adult would you like to be and now it's really about them the value that they can create and and that's intoxicating in a really healthy way, right? Not a not in a unhealthy way, like a lot of stuff going on in the world right now, you know, TikTok and you know, what do people think of me? Yeah. Am I getting enough likes? No. If your identity is creating value in the world, uh, again, material, emotional, spiritual, where, wherever you want to play and whatever um, uh, proportions that you want to play in those three macro buckets, that's a whole lot different. And you become, um, what I've seen is just much more intrinsically motivated instead of extrinsically motivated. And if you don't get enough TikTok likes or you're not part of a club or whatever, so what? I'm going over there. I'm creating this value. Um, I feel better about myself. And I think that's what we want to build in our kids that they can, again, go off and and be running a world that's just incredible for us to age out in. Yeah. Um I think that's absolutely spot on. Uh, unfortunately, I think that there's just too many kids that are so self-consumed uh, in in technology and and the social aspect of interacting with people, you know, through social media, whether it be TikTok or Instagram or the Snapchats and all that kind of stuff. It's to me, there is some value to those various apps if they're used appropriately, but it, it, for the most part, I, I think kids use them for the wrong reasons and they're garbage and they don't really serve any purpose. Uh, it's more about trying to build up your own self-esteem when, when in actuality it's just doing more harm than good. Uh, mm -hmm. and kids don't understand that. Um, I do want to ask you this though, when it comes to maybe parents that are looking to create this, this change within their family, um, structure, uh, has there been any parents or let me ask you it this way. What would you say to somebody that comes to you and says, listen, I read your book. I think it's phenomenal. However, I just want my kid to be a kid. I don't want him worrying about, you know, all this other stuff and, and how to make money. And I, I want to be able to provide for him and let him do his thing and be a kid. That's what I want him to do. So mm -hmm. what would you say to a parent that's, that says those kinds of things to you? <laughs> 
Yeah, my question would be, at what point do you start them on a productive um, developmental journey to be this self-reliant, value-creating adult? So where is that age? I want kids yeah. to have fun to be kids. Uh, you know, what, what? what's interesting about the way I grew up is um, I have uh, four siblings. Um, you know, I, I didn't, I never knew my natural father, my stepfather um, meant well and everything's great, but I didn't think my parents were very good at raising themselves, let alone the five kids. Mm. And so I had this whole other world of value creation going on that, that started with pulling weeds that I could completely trust. And so I had this home environment that just didn't feel right. And there's all the reasons why now, when, when you look back at it, um, younger brother in and out of prison four times and mm. just it's a mess um, what was going on. But I could trust this in the real world, not friends and family. And I kept building on it and it saved me. Right. And and so when they say, oh, the if the environment isn't right, the parents are like, oh, it's going to mess up the kids. Well, at some point, by the time we're 18, at least in my belief, now it's all on the kid. They get to make choices. They don't they don't get to blame the parents or anybody else for things not working out. The parents did the best they could, including my parents. Um, and 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 so as I sort of evolved in this value creation journey, um, I didn't. I didn't have the best of hardly anything else on, on, in the home environment, but it saved me. Mm. So what is that? Right. You know, going through. And so for the parents that are just let them be kids, I played a lot, you know, that back then it's like the me of you and I, where the kids are to see where all the bicycles are at in the, in which front yard. And <laughs> I was, I was that kid and, and uh, you know, just had a lot of fun with my friends, but I really focused on building this value creation piece because there's stuff I wanted, you know, a lot like what you described, Brian, you know, we would get a couple pairs of jeans for the school year and that's it, you know, Sears and Roebuck, the, the Roebuck, yeah. the tuck skin jeans, if you remember those, right. And if I want anything else, I want what I want Levi's. So I would take money from my paper out and I'd go buy, you know, Levi's or tennis shoes. And I bought a guitar um, you know, I started playing guitar when I was, when I was five, um, and, and my grandmother wanted me to play a, an instrument, which is great. And then that took off into something amazing in the 1980s. I played over a thousand nights professionally out in clubs. It's how I made most of my money. And, but I was everything I wanted, guitars and amps. And as I was upgrading, um, I was able to buy it because of this other thing. So, so they, they back to back to the same question. When did they start that journey? And do you mm -hmm. just let them be kids till they're 18 and then sit back and hope for the best? Yeah. How much more is that going to cost you in, you know, the bank of mom and dad and emotional energy and spiritual energy by not doing, I would say, your job and getting them ready to be these value creating, self-reliant, critical thinking adults. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I can see it. I've seen it. I've heard it from, I've, you know, there's been some dads that I've coached uh, uh, in their parenting uh, ways. And I've had, I've had parents share with me that they just kind of didn't really have a real true structure to their home life as their kids grew up. And then they go off to college and then they're lost. Kids mm -hmm. go off to college and call mom and dad and go, I don't know how to, I don't know how to use the washing machine or the dryer here at the school. I don't know what to do. Or if I need to, if I need food, where do, I mean, how do I go shopping for it? I've never done that before. How do I cook for that matter? You know, those kinds of things go on because we didn't allow our kids to struggle and learn those things as they grew up. 
I taught my kids how to, how to change the tire on their car or a light goes like my, my younger son, he had a light go out when he was um, 17 years old. He had a light go out on his car. He didn't know how to fix it. His, you know, his headlight went out. I said, I know how to fix it. I'm going to teach you how, so you know how going into the, you know, into the future. And I taught him how to do that. Those kind of lessons our kids need to learn. And it's the same applies to, to, you know, money. I mean, learning how to make money, learning how to balance the money that you do have, um, learning how to budget, learning how to plan for things that you do want to do or want to buy. Like you said, learning music, buying a guitar. I had a dad share with me the other day that he has a business. Uh, he sells a product and uh, he was actually on my show. He sells a product and he gets his kids involved in his business. And what he does is he goes around to different events, sporting events, and basically cold sells people at, you know, tailgate parties and stuff, this product. Mm. And he gets his kids doing that as well to earn money so they can have the money that they need to buy the things that they want. And his daughter saw this guitar that she wanted that was $1,700. And she saved her money from working with her dad to go around to these different events and sell this stuff. And she mm -hmm. saved her money and bought herself a guitar. And now she's performing at Like he literally just sent me a video like three days ago of her up on a stage at, at a park uh, performing for a bunch of people with her guitar that she bought with the money that she saved. That's a perfect value creation um, story, right? He taught her, go ahead. Well, and and th think about it in two buckets. So she learned how to create the material value to get the guitar. And then I believe when you play music, you're conveying emotional energy value into the world. And so you're impacting and uplifting the emotional energy of the folks that are listening but let's say you really get it right. You become a professional musician. You write um, uh, you write a few songs that that a billion people listen to and it uplifts them. So, mm -hmm. you know, elevating positive emotional energy is an incredible um, opportunity for musicians to be able to do. And I'm, you know, I'm calling for my music studio here today. It's uh, it's on my residential property and it's about 3,800 square feet. I've got probably 50 guitars hanging on the walls. Uh, did a live concert here last weekend. I don't play live as much as I used to, but I still play a couple hours every single day. I just love it. And there's no end to how well you can convey emotional energy, uh, you know, through music, but you can do it through writing. So when 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 we talk about uh, value creation, I encourage everybody to think about it holistically. It's not just money, you know, it's material, right. emotional, spiritual. And this is what we want for everyone. So we just it just feels better when you think about it that way. Yeah. I think, like, um, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I think you had said something earlier that really struck a chord with me. And this is something that I try to teach, try to talk to the dads that I work with, um, is really changing the language that we use, uh, in the way to, um, kind of help us to adapt or appreciate the things that we are doing. I have to take my kid to his practice uh, today, I have to go to his, his soccer practice today, or I have to go to a soccer game. No, you don't have to do that. You get to do that. Just changing that one simple word helps make you not only appreciate, but enjoy the process of doing it. Not only that you get to take him there, but you get to ride in the car with him and have a conversation with him and build a bond with him at the same time, help to strengthen that bond or that relationship. So that's just another way to create that value creation system where you're just simply changing the language with a couple of tweaks of a few words to change the value of what it is that, that we're talking about. 
I think it's so powerful and so true. Parents need to learn that. And kids need to learn that too. Kids need to learn how to change the words that they use to help them not only feel better, not only help them feel better, but feel confident and to help create value in whatever it is that they're talking about. Right. Well, think, think about the language, you know, today, um, more and more, there's sort of a victim, um, um, ideology out there that everybody's a victim. So we tell our kids, you're victims, this happened, that happened. It's somebody else's fault that it didn't work out. So you can, you can have language that talks about being a victim or language that talks about, you get to go in the world and create value. And I spoke to, um, when I, when I do my tours around, you know, uh, the schools talking about the virtues of entrepreneurship, cause I, I, anybody that creates a job as a hero of mine is one more person that can support their families and causes and communities and all of that. Um, Usually when I start these 90 minute discussions with the kids, um, they're kind of moping their victims where we don't have money, where we probably won't get a college degree. So we'll probably never go anywhere. They, by the end, they're saying, man, we can start anywhere and go everywhere. Um, and all of them have been impactful for me, just listening to their stories and helping them change perspective. But I was in one one group and there's this young uh, black girl in the front front row and and she's shaking her head. And I said, what are you, what's going on? What are you thinking about? Cause she's listening to everybody talk about how hard things are. She goes, my family's from Tanzania and you literally have 99 times more opportunity here than my family had back there or has back there, the family that's still there. And so she's thrilled to be sitting here. Why is it that we're here and our perspective is, oh, we're victims and we don't have enough. So the language is so important. You get to go into the world and create value, build a healthy community that has your back and you have their backs and 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 do this. And you're on this value creation journey um, over time and you want to earn it. I mean, there's a reason why when families hit it out of the park with their businesses financially, that the first generation earns it, the second generation enjoys it, and the third generation destroys it mm-hmm. because they haven't put them in this boot camp on how to continually create more value over time. So uh, long way around, language is everything. And when we get it right, it makes a giant difference. And we, we want to drive intrinsic motivation, not extrinsic motivation in our kids. And And then how much better are our lives going to be when the kids really have their act together, they actually would be in a position to take care of us if needed. You know, today there's a lot of, a lot of parents that really need help and the kids never developed into that. Um, mm-hmm. even today, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, so good. Um, <clears throat> this has been just a remarkable, uh, conversation Lee and, uh, you know, just for the essence of time, we've been, we've been going on forever and I feel like we can continue. This is a conversation that we can continue talking about for hours. Um, but, for my listeners, viewers, uh, want to learn a little bit more about you, um, maybe even possibly pick up this book or maybe your other book that you've written. Um, where's the best place to do that? Uh, best sources that they could go to to do those things. Yeah, you can learn about what I'm doing to help organizations create value in the world by going to etw.com. And you can order my my books from there, but you can also get Value Creation Kid, The Healthy Struggles Your Children Need to Succeed, um, anywhere you can find books, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, it's literally in 40,000 different channels. Uh, my co-author narrates that book, and then he and I do joint interviews after each chapter. My other book is titled um, Your Most Important Number. And I do uh, 25 minute interviews after each chapter there as well on the audio book. And it's about helping organizations create value faster, a lot more intentionally, um, just like Value Creation Kit is about helping families create value faster. 
And you can also go to gravystack.com and learn about this tool to make it easier to do this stuff. If you want to check that out, um, you have access to the books there. You have access to the different um, parenting groups there if you want to get uh, involved with those things. And I think it's super valuable. Uh, you know, when, when you think about return on investment, if you get this right, what's it going to save, but maybe even more importantly, what's it going to create from additional value uh, because you got it right with your kids as they're advancing through adulthood. And I don't think there's any end to how we can continually create more and more value. I'm, I'm six, I'll be 62 in two weeks. And I don't think I'm anywhere close to done with the value that I'm going to create in the world. And I, and I love that energy and let's infect everybody else with it. Uh, absolutely. Um, well, thank you for that, Lee. Uh, I will make sure that the team puts that uh, all those links in the show notes so that uh, so that way people can easily go to it from there. Uh, but thank you very much for uh, not only joining uh, the Data Podcast today, but also sharing um, this value creation system that is important for not only our kids to learn, but but parents to learn as well and incorporate in their own family structure and, and family lives. So I appreciate it. You being on. You got it. My, my pleasure. I enjoyed it. And I love your mission and what you're doing. This is so important. If you can put your um, email in the chat, I'll introduce you to Scott Donald, my co-author. You may want to interview him as well around this. He's got mm -hmm. a, a very strong perspective. Is that interesting for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> awesome. Well, uh, thank you again, Lee. Listen, guys, this has been another phenomenal episode of Dad Up. If you have not yet uh, gone and check out uh, what Lee's doing through the links that are in the show notes, please do that. Please pick up the book, read it. And you know what? Give him some feedback on it. Let him know what you got out of it and the things that you've implemented, not only in your own life, but in your family's structure and lives for your kids. Um, please make sure you do that. And if you have not yet subscribed to my show, please make sure you do that so you don't miss any of the awesome guests that I have on each and every week. And as always, I look forward to seeing you all on the next episode of Dad Up. Wow, another amazing episode in the books. So much was shared and I'm truly grateful my guest was able to pour into you to help you elevate your dad game and really dad up. Make sure you bang that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. And while you're here, please don't forget to leave me a rating and a review. I always appreciate the feedback. Also, did you know you can watch the video interview of this episode? You can by simply going to my YouTube channel at Dad Up Podcast please don't forget to subscribe to my channel. And one last thing, don't forget, your role as a dad is one of the most important roles you have. So if you need a little help or have questions, don't hesitate to reach out to me on my website at daduptribe.com or at my Instagram page at daduppodcast. Until next time, everyone, dad up.